0: This is a podcast about Vancouver, our community, our culture, our quirks, and all the colors that combine to make our city of glass. My name's Moamir, and I'll be your host. This is Van Color. Hurry, is it, so you it. This is Van Color. <laughs> Last year, the Washington Post declared that not only are stand-up comedians the new rock stars, but they are rock stars in a golden age of comedy. There are many stand-ups selling out arenas, comedy specials thanks to platforms like Spotify and Netflix are more prevalent than ever, and the internet has dramatically reduced the shelf life for jokes, demanding that comics churn out more material than ever before. And Vancouver's stand-up comedy scene reflects this overall trend. A tight-knit community, there are various venues in this city, offering shows almost every night of the week, not even including the venues for improv and sketch comedy as well. As our comedy scene blossoms, it's no surprise that some of our talents are now being featured on American and international stages, and, if the reintroduction of the Comedy Album of the Year award after a 34-year hiatus at this year's Juno Awards is any indication, we ourselves, as Vancouverites and Canadians, are proud to feature our comedic talents. Today on This Is Van Color, we are joined by a Juno Award-winning stand-up comedian, writer, and actor. Through the years, you may have caught him at Yuck Yucks, the Comedy Mix, or another great venue in our great city. You may have heard him on the CBC or Sirius XM. You may have even seen him make his American television debut on Conan, and you will definitely see him on Netflix soon the ire of the microwave lobby and a true mensch vancouver's own ivan decker how you doing ivan
1: oh thank you so much for having me i'm doing very well that was such a such a nice introduction
0: it's very fitting you're you're blowing up man it's it's awesome to see it
1: oh uh yeah i i'm i'm very excited i'm just thankful that people uh care about microwaves as much as i do (laughs) You know, hate for microwaves is
0: a good way to unify some people. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I think it's for me it's more indifference now, but I'm glad if I can spark that fire in new people. Sure, yeah. It's it's good to be politically active. Yeah, yeah, in the kitchen appliance community. That's the target that I want to hit.
0: <laughs> well, I do appreciate you being here. I'll admit when I started this project, uh, sort of almost on a whim, you are one of the first people that, that came to mind, and, and you're one of my two dream guests
1: oh wow Okay, yeah. so it's, it's you, you
0: and attorney general david eby so well, let's so get you're him first. down here soon <laughs> that's the plan well i appreciate you being here and um as you know i've followed your career for over a decade yeah that's and so cool i wear this as a badge of honor especially now as i said because you are blowing up you're you're the next big thing and i feel like it's it's fine but you still probably know have no idea who i am which is t- totally cool <laughs>
1: That's not true. We've interacted on Facebook,
0: we, and uh, and that's what I was going to bring up. I mean, we've been Facebook friends for over a decade, and we've actually exchanged a few messages here and there. Yeah. So there's proof that we're like we're basically
1: best friends. Exactly. Yeah. Back when Facebook mattered. Yeah, exactly. That we we forged our friendship under the banner when statuses still had is in front of them. Yeah, you
0: had to write that out. Yeah. There was no emojis. Yeah. You there's no to... emojis. There's no. You can't even share a link.
1: That doesn't even populate. <laughs> What is this blue text?
0: So we met in 2007, and I don't remember the moment we met, but I'm sure I came up to you after a show, you are probably kicking around the club, and I said, hey, great set, that was awesome. And you were probably like, hey, do you know what Facebook is?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, hey, are you familiar with this newfangled internet invention? I was like, I just got on it, are you on it? Oh, man. All the kids are doing it. There's these things called memes. We
0: were kids back then. We were
1: kids back then. That's true.
0: and I want to share a little exchange that we had on Facebook 11 years ago in August 2007, Okay, if I, if I may have your sure. permission.
1: Sure. Yeah, of course. As long as I come out looking good. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. We'll see.
0: So, me. You're the man, Ivan Decker. Great set on Tuesday night. You. Hey, thanks, man. I was working some new stuff. I'm so sorry I had to leave so abruptly. I, ki- I kind of ran out of time. Ha ha. Let me know if you're ever planning on heading down to Yucks again. And if I'm on, I can get you free tickets. So, first of all, so Canadian that the second thing you say is an apology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that set because I, or I, I mean, it's happened to me numerous times sure. where I remember uh, a similar circumstance where like, You know, they'll flash the light and you run out of time. And even if you're doing well, you're like, ah, I got to leave. I don't want to. It's probably one of those (laughs) things.
0: Well, I just love how I was like, hey, you killed it. And you're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't kill it in time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry for uh, anything that possibly could have disappointed you about that performance.
0: (laughs) Even though I expressed no disappointment whatsoever.
1: First and foremost, let me apologize. In advance for anything that may have bothered
0: you. You got to cover your bases, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, to the larger point, though, your offer for free tickets was one that I exercised many times. Yeah, And you great. were very kind and very gracious. Eventually, you know, I ended up paying for, for my own tickets. But I think that just goes to show how, how cool you were and how cool you are.
1: Well, thank you. I and, always want to have people in the crowd that want to be there. That's, those are my favorite people to perform for.
0: Right? Yeah. And, and I feel like I'm, I don't think I'm the only one. I think you have a very personalized connection with a lot of local fans like myself. Um, I've seen you perform in restaurants. I've seen you perform in big theaters, specifically opening up for Eliza Schlesinger. I've seen you on TV, both on American and Canadian networks. And I've never seen you bomb. You've always been consistently hilarious as this like millennial Seinfeld with shades of Mitch Hedberg. And, you know, I might've seen you perform maybe a dozen times or maybe even more in my life. And I'm always amped to learn that you're performing or you're in town and, Always amped to see, you, to see you perform. Well, thanks. So long, long way to get to my f- first real question, but uh, what's, the, what's the secret for you to go from a guy that would give random creepers free tickets <laughs> to a comedy show on a Tuesday night to being one of the most in-demand comics in uh, Vancouver or maybe even Canada?
1: I think it's the same thing, you know? Like, I've always loved uh, the work. I really enjoy doing comedy and I mean I have bombed numerous times (laughs) it is just lucky that you've never seen me (laughs) it happens all the time yeah and I mean two different degrees you know like Mm -hmm. what I consider a bomb may be different than somebody else because in a certain room I would hold certain jokes to a higher standard Mm -hmm. but I definitely think that the only secret that I can offer is to just work hard I mean it's so like cliched but that's all I did was just do comedy every night for as long as I could. And yeah. it's what I continue to do and just try to get better every time. So mm-hmm. every time I come back, you know, you, you have to stay aware because there is this kind of party uh, life that surrounds comedy because it happens at night. People sure. Drinking and it's so much fun. But I kind of had to learn to resist that and just sort of focus on the work so after my set i don't just like get drunk and forget everything that happened mm-hmm. I'm very focused on which jokes worked which ones didn't what i can change how i can move it around improve my set for tomorrow night or even later that night if i do two sets in one night
0: cool so if you if you do a set are you and after your set's over are you basically working right away like that night in terms of
1: yeah. So Ripping notes or taking notes. When or... I get off stage, it's why if, if anybody talks to me like right after I get off, I may seem aloof or weird because I'm sort of hyper-focused on what just happened. Right. And going over what I just did while it's fresh and thinking in my mind, okay, did that joke work? How did that do? Or or really kind of putting a pin in the spots, the flat spots in the set. Mm-hmm. So noticing okay that line didn't work so i need to find a new answer and i'll think right in that moment of like what can i replace that with or a lot of times uh the key is to just edit like you know if you can't fix a line get rid of it
0: mhm yeah fair enough cool i i almost feel like I mean, your 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 special, or your sorry, your comedy album was was so great that. Thank you. Bombing today for you must be like you you let the crowd catch their breath for a second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, uh, no, I've I've had full staring at me bombs for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just every once in a while you run into people that just don't they don't like your style of of comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. But or or it's like you know it's my fault. I'll be trying sure. too much new material, or I'll. I'll bookend it incorrectly like I'll open with new stuff it's a classic thing you have new stuff that you're excited about I think every comedian makes this mistake where you're like oh this is gonna be really good and then you try it out you're like nope it's not good (laughs) and I have now started my set in a hole that I have to dig myself out right
0: yeah fair enough well let's let's start right at the beginning of your of your journey into comedy I, I think you're my age right 1985 yeah baby yeah great year this is our Jesus year is it? 33. That's okay. the uh, the year of rebirth, renewal, you shed old stories. It's a good year.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: But in terms of the beginning, uh, I've seen you perform for well over a decade, but when exactly did you start and how exactly did you get started in comedy?
1: Uh, about, like, I think a little over a decade ago. I started when I was 19 because I knew I had to be uh, 19 to get into the Yuck Yucks. Right. Where we first met. And... Uh, you know, that was kind of my research. Like, okay, well, I have to be drinking age to be able to get it. So when I was 18, I kept a notebook, and I, I took a writing class, and I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to get really ready for this so that when I'm 19, mm-hmm. I can go to a club and, and try stand-up comedy. And so on my 19th birthday, I called the Yuck Yucks. Wow. And sort of, I talk, I didn't talk to them. I left a message. I was like, hey, can I come down and do a spot? And they said, sure, you can come down tomorrow night. And it was The actually, day after your birthday. It was the day after my birthday, which was crazy how quickly <laughs> that never happens. Normally, when you try to get booked at a club, it's like, we'll see you in October. Okay. But at this point, they were like, yeah, we're actually starting a new thing tomorrow night. It was the very first Tuesday night show gotcha. at that club. Because the urban well used to take place on Tuesdays, which was this amazing room in Vancouver where like everybody went. It was Brent Butt, who the, the star and creator of Corner oh, Gas, okay, yeah. used to run it and host it. But it was kind of ending. He was shooting Corner Gas, so he wasn't around as much, mm-hmm. uh, and it was not as big of a deal for like the other places could get audiences. Right. So the Yuck Yucks had decided to start doing shows on Tuesday nights, and so that was the very first Tuesday night was my. I was, uh, it was the first time I ever did comedy.
0: And you had never stepped foot into a comedy club at that point. No, right? I'd
1: never even been to, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of understood that, like, there's going to be a microphone at the front and I'll talking. <laughs> but apart from that, I didn't really know what to do. And the first show, it went well. It actually went okay. And that's, it was a five minute set, I imagine. Yeah, five yeah. minute set. And, uh, you know, I was very Hedberg. I had a lot of, like, one liner jokes. Cool. And uh, it went all right. And then the following week, I came back and was booed off stage. <laughs> no, no, you weren't really. Yeah, with the same material. Same material, but there was like a problem with the microphone. And because I was so green, I didn't know how to adjust my volume to match. Because like the comic before me was really loud, so they turned it down on the soundboard, and right. I didn't know that, so I was holding the mic too far from my face. And also, I was very unfunny. But I'm gonna blame <laughs> the first thing. Partly. It was technical difficulties. Yeah, was totally not I was a prodigy from the, <laughs> from the get-go. Well,
0: I, I imagine that first show that you did was probably stacked, like the audience was stacked with people that you knew as well, right? Or... Yeah,
1: I knew a few people. I had okay. friends. I mean, I grew up in Ladner, which is right. about 45 minutes outside of the city with no traffic and three hours if it's rush hour. Yeah, <laughs> even back then. Uh, not as it wasn't as bad, but yeah. I used to leave. You know, I used to leave my house at like seven o'clock to get to the comedy mix by eight.
0: Okay, yeah. in
1: time to. That's so a track. It was yucky Yucks back then, but yeah, that was kind of how I started. I just called the club, went and did five minutes, and then I don't even. It's such a weird blur because you just gradually start to get to know people, and they book rooms, and then you find out where all the open mics are, and you go to those, and yeah. You, just try it material. Just anywhere I could go, I would go. And even when I wasn't booked, I would still come into the city and just hang out at a show. And I mm-hmm. think that the allure of the city was also part of it because I was from this town where nothing happens. Right. And so I was like, I'm just going to drive in. All my friends at that point were like, they had no plan. They were all like, I'm taking a year off before college. Sure. Like, Great. I'm going to go do something that's enjoyable instead of this year off for you to play. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom too. I <laughs> so I started coming into the city and just hanging out, watching shows, and I loved it. It was just this cool like uh, vibe. It just felt so grown up and metropolitan, right? Compared to this kind of sort of farm town that I grew up in.
0: That's so cool that you went after it that young. I mean, never stepped into a comedy club. Um, you know, it was a trek for you to get there. Even if you weren't booked, you were still coming in. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, cuz I knew I wanted to learn. It was always such a mm-hmm. such a like mystical world to me. So like even if uh I wasn't on, I could still see comics like Irwin Barker who was unbelievable or like, you know, sometimes Brent Butt would be hosting at the Urban Well mm-hmm. occasionally if uh, he was kind of in between, but so many other comics.
0: What is the Urban Well now?
1: It's Condos? a sushi restaurant in between two other sushi restaurants. Okay, yeah. No, I think it actually was a Japanese restaurant, but then it got resold, and now it's like a jazz jazz space. Oh,
0: okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, when you started the first few years, you were also working a day job, um, yeah. I believe. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you saying you were like a customer service rep for a telecoms company.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I, did get, I did remember that. That was what? my first job that I... Uh, did that got me moved into the city. Like, that was the job that I had. I started working there when I lived in Ladner and then started making enough money that I got an apartment uh, downtown.
0: Nice. Okay, cool. Um, At what point in your comedy career did you you decide, hey, okay, I'm going to quit this racket in terms of the telecoms and my day job and I'm just going to go comedy full time? Well, I held on
1: a long time. Like, I had quite a few... I was always... Of the mindset that I didn't want to put myself into financial hardship and put too much pressure on comedy Mm -hmm. when it wasn't ready to hold that burden, you know? People are in such a hurry to, like, oh, it'd be so great to quit my job and just do comedy. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to hate comedy. (laughs) Because you're going to make it your job now. (laughs) Yeah. Because even even if your job is your dream... It's still better, like it's still a job. Mm -hmm. Not doing anything is always going to be better than working. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) once I found that out, I was like, I'm glad I waited as long as I did. I pretty much waited until my day job was a hindrance on comedy, Mm. in the sense that like I had to leave town and they wouldn't let me. And so that was the point when I was touring enough. Okay that it was starting to become problematic because after the telecom company, I worked for, uh, I did a bunch of different stuff. I did door-to-door sales very briefly. Uh, and then- Not I, selling
0: microwaves though, right? No.
1: <laughs> no, we were selling like garbage. Like it was the worst. And they were even like, hey, don't sell near the police station because we're not exactly legal. And I was like, wow. I should probably not be working for this. <laughs> And then I think- uh, I'm trying to remember if there was anything in between Bell. No, because after, sorry, I guess I shouldn't say. Oh, you can say whatever. Uh, yeah, it's fine. After Bell, I I did a comedy now special in in 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of like this TV special. And they they were. Were like, you full time at that point? Yeah, I was okay. full time in 2007 when when we met. That was when I was full time at Bell. Oh, okay. And it was when I was going to just for laughs for the first time that summer summer of 2007 and then the summer of 2008 was when i filmed my comedy now special which were like these 30 minute spots
0: that Th- that's the ctv TV. special right? Yeah. okay yeah cool. which i
1: was so young for and it still <laughs> airs and it's very painful for me to watch uh but then i moved on and got a job at science world and worked there that was kind of where i worked for the last five years before i went full-time comedy okay and they were really great like mm-hmm. it was such a cool job it just matched the comedy lifestyle so perfectly because you were there was a performative aspect during the day too sure you were doing science presentations for kids mm-hmm. and they were very cool with kind of time off and they really really made it work for me so i i loved that job
0: did they put you in the dinosaur department where they're like This guy knows
1: all the dinosaurs. That was where I learned a lot of my dinosaur knowledge. That joke came out of working there. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And kind of learning about, because it's like, the more you learn about dinosaurs, the more you realize that nobody knows anything. Yeah. But it's like, from an outside perspective, they're like, we know quite a bit. And then when you talk to actual scientists, they're like, we don't really know anything.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Cool. Well, uh, obviously throughout your career, you've you've hit the road, you've been on tour, uh, although you've being primarily based out of Vancouver until very recently. Yeah. How would you describe how Vancouver has evolved as a comedy city, and how would you describe the scene in
1: general? Uh, I love the comedy scene in Vancouver, and I kind of always have. Uh, There's a lot of stage time, and Mm. valuable stage time. Stage time with a real audience not that you know having comedians in the audience is not real but it's a different muscle that you're going to work if you're doing jokes for just comics you're not going to get an honest uh representation of how the jokes will do Mm -hmm. in front of just a regular audience of you know non-comedians right it's like doing magic for magicians sometimes you can impress them but it's still they're gonna be like i see the seams i see what's going on right and which has
0: value in itself but
1: yeah, absolutely. But you're not
0: always pre- performing for other comedians. You're I think that if you can get people. as
1: many different types of audiences you can get in front of is the mm-hmm. best. You know, I would always try and do that. I would, I would never limit myself to one specific. Because, yeah, there are rooms where it's like, I, I do great here every time. This is my favorite place to perform. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm here, I do very well. I love it. But I can't just perform there. Yeah. I have to go to the hard places, I have to go out of town. I got to go to Castlegar. And try and do these jokes about finding an apartment and see what happens <laughs> there, you know, because it's not just your city is not a representation of the entire world. However, Vancouver is very good because it has a lot of those different demographics. Mm-hmm. in it. You know, it's not you don't have to go too far. You can go to New Westminster and that kind of feels like an Alberta room. Like, really? Okay. It's just more working class. You yeah. Have a lot of people coming across. But there is a noticeable difference. You're Surrey. saying. But yeah, definitely huge wow. noticeable. And even like between Kitsilano and Main Street, like you get a lot of different areas of town where you'll have these different types of audiences, and it's it's very cool. And the stage time is great. The only, the biggest change I've noticed, I think, in the last. 15 years is just the amount of... There's a lot more younger people starting comedy. Like, when I started, I was 19. I was, like, by far, in a way, the youngest. I think the next youngest comedian that I worked with regularly was, like, late 20s. Really? Like, 28, 29 was kind of the average. And the average age was, like, mid-30s.
0: You I still think. look like you could be the youngest there, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and as a
1: couple, that like, you're a bit of a baby face. Spend too much time in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> trying to wrinkle up.
0: Um, do you find that there's... So so there are a lot of young comics coming up. Is is the scene quite prolific then, do you find? Yeah, I think started? it's
1: great. Well, comedy has kind of gone through a resurgence Mm -hmm. which is really nice you know it's uh like you said off the top there's a lot more people starting it which is cool and there's a lot more avenues to get it to people like with all the social media platforms and things like that I mean it's it's very cool and I like I always think that like the more people that are doing it the better because if you surround yourself with great talent it's only going to improve you yeah it's going to push you to work harder I mean it's it's weird when people are like, ah, I don't want all these people doing this thing I do. And it's like, why not? <laughs> don't you want to be with the best? Working out.
0: Well, there's that, and then everyone's helping the growth of the industry as well, right? In the yeah. scene, so it, that helps everyone, whether Absolutely. you're starting out or.
1: And it, been it would in be for... nice to reach a point where people can understand that there are different genres of comedy. Yeah. Because for the longest time. Stand-up comedy has just been called stand-up comedy. That's it. People come to the club and they don't know what to expect. Some people, it's their stag party and they want to do shots and yell and they want a party host up there. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like a nice evening out with their spouse and they want to hear some (laughs) well-crafted material. So you get this weird mix of people who don't really know. It would be like going to a club and just seeing music. Without knowing what kind it's going to be. Right, that's a good point, yeah. But the great thing now is clubs will, uh, if they're good, advertise who the comedian is, mm-hmm. then look them up and find clips and sort of get a feeling of who you're going to see before you go to the club. Yeah. And it's just, a, I think, a much better way of doing things.
0: Right, yeah, cool. Um, you recently divulged some some big news that uh, you'll be filming a Netflix special in yeah. July.
1: Yeah, in two weeks.
0: <laughs> this this will be airing after. That's that, right. But nevertheless, in yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but as you sort of alluded to, this isn't your first comedy special or or televised comedy special. You had this half hour CTV special as well. Yeah. Um, you sort of touched on it a little bit, but I'm just curious how did how how did that go?
1: Well, I was not ready. You know, I was far too early on in comedy. Mm-hmm. It was two thousand and eight, so I think I'd been doing comedy for less than four years. Wow, and it was a half hour special, so I just kind of cobbled together every joke I'd ever written. Yeah, and it went all right. Uh, but it's definitely a learning experience. Like I've learned a lot from that and just even the idea of performing in front of cameras because i that was my first filmed stand up mm-hmm. experience. And it's a little different when you're performing for a, for a camera because you, you have to go slower. The energy in the room is not as important uh, to match. And I mean, these Netflix ones are different because they don't really edit. A lot of the TV stuff you do, they'll edit it. So they'll change jokes. If you oh. talk for too long, they'll just cut parts out. Mm-hmm. They can do a lot of editing after the fact. Whereas I think these, uh, which is good, Mm -hmm. because sometimes editors can take too many creative liberties and sort of change your whole style, even right, and you kind of lose your performance. Like there was a famous uh, Zach Galifianakis did a special once, and he didn't want them to edit it, so he came out in like a snowsuit, and after every joke, he would take off an article of clothing. Really, so they (laughs) had to keep the jokes in the order that he planned to do them. Right like, Russell Peters' most famous performance is his Comedy Now special. That's right, Which yeah. is what blew him up. And if you watch that special, he does a callback to a joke that they put later in the special. Right. Like, yeah. so they move That's stuff crazy. around. And so I love that these kind of, uh, the Netflix tapings, and Conan was like this, too, where it's like, you do your set, we film it, whatever happens That's it. is what's coming out. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat, but then also it's like crazy nerve wracking because you know you don't have that like editing safety net.
0: Are you do for the? I guess for for both was there? Is it only a one shot thing, or are you filming? Conan's one shot. Sh- okay,
1: but the Netflix we have two shows. Okay, so they'll they'll film both, and you know they'll usually film. Or uh, what they told me is they'll film one, and then after that they'll come up and give you notes and say like we liked it when you did this or change this or we can't say that or mm-hmm. this is going to make the microwave people very upset <laughs>
0: we have a new docu series yeah, yeah. on, on microwaves I, I
1: hope you uh don't know uh, that we're uh owned by general electric yeah. Please <laughs> refrain from admonishing the microwave oven <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: did that did that experience um doing the first special with ctv help at all with oh, i mean it has okay
1: yeah, even just finding my light, you know, where to look. Mm. Cause like in that special, I was looking down a lot, and there was like shadow on my face, which also like they mm. could have had fill lights below, but uh, technical difficulties again. Yeah, it's, it's their fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was not good.
0: I I remember being pretty good. It was it was broken up with commercials though. Yeah, if I recall.
1: My favorite thing about those TV specials is how they would go like. Uh, the last commercial break was always just before... It was always after your final joke. Yeah. So you'd do your final joke, then they would go to commercial. They'd be like, we'll be back with more Ivan Decker. And then the, they would come back and it would literally just be the comic being like, good night, everybody. Yeah. And then they'd roll <laughs> credits. And you're like, why did I come back for this? They,
0: did, they didn't say more jokes. They yeah. just said more of you. So
1: You'll see him come out and wave.
0: <laughs> the um, The entertainment culture is is changing just so rapidly and and stand-up is obviously not immune from that i think there was a time when having a spot on a late show was a big milestone and then putting out a comedy album was a big milestone and then having an hbo special was a was a big career milestone and you've basically done all of that substitute hbo for netflix which i think is fair sure uh you were on conan you have an award-winning comedy album i wanted to be a dinosaur and as as we mentioned you'll be filming your netflix special but you're still incredibly young to have have achieved all of this so i'm almost wondering has like internet culture demanded so much from comedians because of the accessibility of, of material that's out there that these tradi- traditional benchmarks are changed a little bit and 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 there's yeah, a absolutely. larger question like what is next for you like you've hit these big these big milestones
1: yeah i think that it's not the same as it used to be because so many people are viewing so many different things like mm-hmm. when you when the tonight show was on with johnny carson 40 percent of all the televisions in the united states were tuned into that show
0: well there's only like three channels back then yeah. too right so
1: it was like when you were a comedian on the tonight show everybody saw you yeah if you watch the gary shandling documentary it's great it talks about his first tonight show it was just this like if you had a good set on The Tonight Show, that was it. Mm-hmm. You were famous immediately. If right. like you were an overnight success, he said he would go down to the club and, like, girls would come up to me like, we saw you on The Tonight Show. <laughs> like, people, that short, tiny spot was just like, that's it. You're made. You're yeah. a made guy, and you get everything that you need. And, I mean, Alan DeGeneres, too, the phone call to God bit, and then getting called over was, like, huge. It was this career-changing moment, whereas now I feel like you – you don't get to, ha- you don't have that, and not that it's a bad thing. I mm-hmm. think that you kind of just get to build more slowly. You have these short, little milestones that you build up, and you just gradually build up a following and a fan base. And I mean, Netflix is a huge one, though. Like that is a yeah. big. I'm hoping to see a bit of a spike from that. And I mean, all these things are are great and good. It's just not at the same magnitude that it once was Mm -hmm. where everybody's watching The Tonight Show. So that's the one place where somebody comes up, they just blow up. So for me, I don't know what my next milestone would be. Like probably just another late night. Yeah. (laughs) Do another late night spot, have it be good. I mean, all I want to do is keep performing comedy. So Mm -hmm. as long as I can keep writing jokes that are good and people keep laughing at them. Sure. I'll be happy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess one of the great things about the internet and Netflix is that you you reached this global audience. And I think Russell Peters, obviously these are outliers, but Russell Peters is this great example of that clip started going around the internet. And yeah. now he's arguably the biggest comic in the world. Like yeah. He sells out arenas everywhere.
1: All over the world. Him and Dan Cook were the two at that time that kind of, they were the front runners on i mean back it was called google video It wasn't even youtube then mm-hmm. it was before google bought youtube they tried to make their own right competing video streaming service but it was like because there was such a small amount of content mm-hmm. they were kind of the only stand-up videos you could find i mean you you, yeah. you could never recreate that it doesn't know no, you're not no. you are not going to have somebody go viral off an hour of stand-up and except for like you know the netflix platforms and things like that but it's funny to see people try to recreate these past successes. Like, be like, I just put my special out on YouTube. Someone will find it. Yeah. It'll and time's viral. just already passed them by in terms yeah. of
0: that, that opportunity. But Netflix is crazy. Like, I have cousins in... Pakistan and they have Netflix. It's the same Netflix that we have, like same Netflix originals. Yeah. So now they're exposed to all this content that they were never normally exposed to. So I'll talk to them, and they're up on all the, you know, oh, all so the hot, cool. sh- all the hot shows, and like, yeah. I'll recommend things to them, like, oh, you should check this out, and yeah. And th- that was stuff that you know, like ten years ago, they wouldn't be yeah glued into. So
1: yeah, it is kind of interesting to see how media is kind of going global because of this. Uh, these like streaming giants, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Would, you, uh, would you ever want to do a sitcom?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be fun because I, I find that uh, when it comes to acting, it's it's always, for me at least, easier to just act like yourself. <laughs> situ- yeah? You know, I don't want to come in. Like <laughs> I would do a sitcom if it was like me. I was the star of it and it was about,
0: I mean, I don't know. It's You wouldn't do a sitcom like that's a period piece as well? Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I could be like a cowboy version of me. Right, there you go.
0: (laughs) I actually have have a little elevator pitch for you for a sitcom. Okay. Yeah. And this is a freebie because we're best friends. Yeah, of course. So this is, you know, you take that, you run with it. All right. Um, Reboots are all the craze right now. Yeah. So they reboot, what they should do is reboot the show Becker. And um, instead of Ted Danson playing the irritable but lovable doctor, it's you, and they call the show Decker. Yeah. What do you
1: think? I think that's great. Like a medical <laughs> medical drama? Right. <laughs> Those are easy to do. You just got to come up with a well, new it is a sitcom. sick person. It is a sitcom. Yeah. 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 Or medical sitcom. Yeah. Somebody comes in, ah, I got a frog stuck in my Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, ah. So you run that by your agent. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. Okay. That was free of charge. I'll see if I can pitch that. <laughs> You gotta, they, want, they want you to have something in these meetings. Yeah, absolutely. you got to come up with some on? ideas. Oh, yeah, I got this great show, but uh and, and my best friend came up with it. And,
0: <laughs> and I, I almost think, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they did
1: reboot Becker.
0: Like, maybe not in the, the scenario that I just gave yeah. you, but just- Well, it I mean, seems they're rebooting be...
1: Murphy Brown, so right? at this point, they're going to reboot I mean, everything. That,
0: that show was on for quite a few years, like over five years, so-
1: but it was also in a time when they were just like, I don't know, leave it. Like they was they were like, it's too expensive to But
0: here's here's the thing about that show. Um you have a built-in audience right away because the people that were watching that show yeah. are probably still the same people that have cable. Yeah, absolutely. right now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Network shows. They're like, Yeah, let's get Becker back out yeah.
0: there. <laughs> Big throwback. Um So speaking about this idea of, you know, what's next for you? maybe even acting. Is this the reason why you decided to move out to L.A.?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, my main goal about moving down there was, I mean, I basically wanted to do American Late Night, and in order to do American Late Night, you need to have uh work permits for the united states mm. um so never thought about that, that yeah, way, yeah like i couldn't be on there as a canadian without a social security number so even I, for the conan spot yeah, you had really yeah. anything anything on american tv i mean even america's got talent some like a lot of like america i had a friend who did america's got talent and because he didn't have a visa they were like you know, you can do the first round because that doesn't pay or anything. Mm-hmm. But they were like, they even explicitly told them, like, we can't advance you because oh, you don't oh. you have the ability to work in this country. So you're not making it through to the next round. Oh. So I have fun on this show. Yeah. But you're not going to make it through. And huh. so for me, I wanted to just try to open myself up to that market. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could stay in Vancouver, I would. I love it here. And sure. and I develop here so much better because I love the audiences here and I I love all the stage time I can get here Mm -hmm. and so my goal is not to abandon Vancouver and just like sit in LA and wait for the phone to ring. (laughs) I'm there because I need to maintain a a green card to have a social security number to have these opportunities if they come my way so that I can say yes. If another late night opportunity comes up I can agree to do it Mm -hmm. and You know, even with a visa, it's a bit of a. Like, if I get an offer to, if I submit a writing package or something like that to a show like Saturday Night Live and they want to bring me in, a visa is like still more complicated for them than a social security number. Because a social security number is like you're an American. It's the same to hire you than it is to hire somebody from Nebraska. Whereas if you have a visa, you're like, oh, you'd like to hire me? That's so great. Could you please fill out like a few more forms and then also call this person and <laughs> tell them I'm nice and... The Department of Homeland Security might call you, so could you just like make sure you send them this? And they're like, "That's too complicated. Yeah. We're just gonna hire this kid from Nebraska."
0: Yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, b- so, but you are all set up to like. Do you have a? Yeah, US social am I'm, I'm, I'm a number,
1: legal uh, immigrant, landed okay. immigrant yeah. of the United States. Uh, I'm an alien of an extraordinary ability. That is the name <laughs> of the. Uh, visa that I had to get. To oh, get is that right? To apply for the green of Guard. extraordinary ability. Yeah, it's it's the O1 visa, and then the official title is alien of extraordinary ability. Wow, and it's for like I think it's like the Einstein visa. It was like to bring him in during World War II. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's a scientist, and he's got talent, so we got to bring him in. Right. And so that's kind of... You're on
0: the same same league so there. So basically Einstein <laughs> yeah. is
1: what I'm telling everybody. <laughs> no, I just want to do... I want to tour in the United States. I mean, there's more, there's more clubs, more cities, more stages, more mics, and... Yeah that's all it is i mean there's 52 weeks in the year i want to be doing stand-up every weekend
0: have you um have you performed at uh, the comedy store or, I- or ice house
1: i've done the comedy magic club okay in Hermosa beach uh which is crazy it's, mm-hmm. like, you know this insane kind of hallowed ground for me okay cool because uh, it's like all the pictures of like every hero you could have in comedy is like on the wall there and has done shows there and has sat in that green room that you're sitting in. And you're yeah. Like, this is so crazy.
0: Cool, cool. Um, now, t- talking about your material, you've always been a relatively clean comic.
1: Yeah.
0: Um But I remember this one time. Oh, no. You told a joke about being on a job site or, like, Albertans <laughs> being on a construction site, and you cussed. And it was, like, the first time I heard you swear. And I remember being, like, shocked, like, appalled, ready to walk out of the theater, thinking you sold out. Um, even though obviously dirty, dirty comedy or comedy with swearing doesn't offend me. It's, it's probably most of what I listen to. Yeah. But I almost think like in a field that is quite explicit, that's historically been about, you know, breaking taboos and saying things you're not supposed to say. Is it almost counterculture now to be a clean comic?
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit of a, of a different thing to do. I mean, it is very difficult. Not that dirty comedy isn't hard, mm-hmm. but I think back then the reason why I was started swearing was because it was in this like these moments of weakness where I'd been going on the road to Alberta and to these like working class towns doing these terrible bars, and I started swearing as like a safety mechanism. Yeah, to just like get them <laughs> on my side because I did an experiment. I did an like a scientific test this one weekend that I was in Kelowna, and I did. On one night, I did my set with no swearing. And then the next night, I did the same material, but I just added curse words in the jokes mm-hmm. for emphasis. And I did much better, really? People were like, "Hey, this guy's cool. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> he <laughs> gets it. He gets what we're all about.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. I love how, you know, some people go on tour, And they they would pick up drug habits, but you picked up swearing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) So it's something that I still try not to do. Um, I mean, it kind of enters my vocabulary through uh, just osmosis, being around comedians, because, of Mm -hmm. course, they all curse a lot. And now that I don't work with children anymore, it can kind of find its way in. Yeah, but fair I enough. try not to do it. And it is funny to to sort of talk about clean comedy being a little bit counterculture because it there is this whole like this is a space of free speech. We can say whatever we want here. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're clean, people will often uh, they put up a barrier. When they see you right away, they're like, Yeah, I don't think this guy's gonna be funny." Right, He's this clean, <laughs> you know, or like, what? Like when people say, uh, "Oh, you do clean comedy? It's just so safe." I take risks, and I'm like, "It's not safe." Yeah, talking about masturbating is much safer in <laughs> yeah. a bar full of bikers than being like, "I don't think hamsters are a very nice <laughs> pet to have." <laughs> Which one do you want to hit in the head with a pipe? It's the person talking about hamsters. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it is challenging, yeah. It, it, and especially just the way of what the uh, the expectations are for comedy, right?
1: Yeah, but I always wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And I knew all my heroes, uh, never saw, with the exception of Chappelle. I mean, Chappelle was my favorite comic mm-hmm. uh, starting out. Um, Who
0: are your heroes, if you can... You said Carson? Yeah, well. Johnny
1: Carson, obviously. Um I mean, I I didn't know much about stand-up when I started, so mm-hmm. the influences I had were just those that I had access to, and it was like Chris Rock I loved. Yep. Uh, Bigger and Blacker was like the first stand-up special I watched. I, I think like, that was the first one I was exposed to, was too. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, he opens with a Columbine joke. Like, it's so yeah. crazy to think about. If you go back and watch that special... It's amazing, a how relevant it still is mm-hmm. to like today's issues. Because he's like talking about gun control and like all this stuff that is still not gone. Yeah, <laughs> they've done almost nothing about it because these jokes are still ringing true. Mm-hmm. And it's also just so tight, so many jokes. Like, yeah, it was really, really good. I loved it so. Did much. you have
0: that CD that it looked like it had the uh, the no limit graphics? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. <laughs> the no
1: limit. Yeah, yeah. Throwback. See murder. <laughs> Who else was in the low, No Limit crew?
0: Master P? Master P was the, the leader. Yeah. Uh, I That's don't right. know. Those other guys, no.
1: Yeah. But, uh, and then um, obvi- I loved Hedberg and Seinfeld, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul F. Tompkins was someone I discovered pretty s- quickly into my comedy career that I loved. And then, of course, doing comedy longer, I learned about people like Brian Regan, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I went back and watched a lot of her old stand ups. She was oh, yeah. so great. Michelle Wolf is, like, my favorite comedian right now. Oh, yeah, okay. Her show's great. Her HBO special was so great. Like, it came out last year, and Mm -hmm. I think, like, as far as comedy specials go that have come out recently, it's, like, joke for joke. Every joke is killer. Like, there's no, like, like sometimes you watch a comedy special and you're, like, there was a flat spot in the middle, but that last joke was amazing, and this one off the top was great, and it's the mark of of a true, but, like, Michelle's special was, like, every single joke was the best joke i've yeah. ever seen. Cool. We're okay. All so good. It's HBO. Uh so it's a little harder to watch it than is a harder Netflix to watch. special, but uh I found it and I watched it and it's it's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, you've been doing a great job. You were on Conan. Your album I Wanted to Be a Dinosaur won the first comedy album of the year at the Junos after a 34-year hiatus i'm surprised you're not wearing it around like, i was gonna it bring it
1: but it's very heavy <laughs> I'm sure it was. it's so heavy. i was joking
0: when i suggest that but uh, yeah
1: i thought about it but i was like no it's way too heavy
0: do you uh i mean you're you're now in la i'm sure you're getting noticed i'm sure you're around maybe some famous people um what what has it been like like all this success sort of all at once
1: it's kind of cool. I mean, it's not much is, is different. It, the funny thing is, like, I don't go out as much anymore, so I don't yeah. get recognized. Like, okay. when I had a job, I would get recognized because I would be commuting. I would be with people. Right. So I would do a show at, like, the Comedy Mix, and then I would be on the Sky Train the next morning at, like, 8.30 in the morning. And mm-hmm. so you have a much greater chance of somebody seeing you and recognizing you. But now it's like, unless you're on my flight... I'm probably not going to see you. <laughs> I'm at the airport at four in the morning. And, I mean, L.A., you're never going to get recognized because, you know, everybody, there's so many much more famous people. The chances of anybody in L.A. knowing who I am is, like, extremely minimal. But here in Vancouver, it's its happened a few times. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which is pretty neat. Has
0: it happened so far in your, your visit here today? Uh, or this, this week, I guess?
1: Well, I'm, one of my neighbors uh, congratulated me on, I think, the Juno. Okay. They found out about it. Cool. So somebody in my building was like, "Hey, I I heard about all your success. Congratulations." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you."
0: That's awesome. Do you do you think comedians are the new rock stars?
1: I don't think so. I think no. rock stars are still rock stars. Yeah. You know, people still love Mick Jagger more than they're going to ever love me. <laughs> So far, yeah. I mean,
0: he he might be at the end of, at the end of his rope here. So <laughs> I
1: don't know how he's still alive now. I no think idea. We should be loving him uh, for that now, yeah. Instead of all the things he's done.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Just staying alive. <laughs> yeah. After that life that he lived.
1: Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's it is kind of cool to see because yeah, the Daily Show comics and these people that are kind of on the forefront that mm-hmm. are out there. Uh, I have such tremendous respect for anybody that can do what they do, like mm-hmm. all these late night hosts. I think that's really my dream, would be to host a late-night show over a sitcom, if I had to pick between the two. Yeah,
0: I think you'd be great at that. Yeah. You are you already got the suits for it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm halfway you're, there. You're dressing for the job that you want. Yeah, it's... come on,
1: the industry. <laughs> Let me sit behind a desk. How hard can it be?
0: <laughs> okay, shifting gears a little bit, I want to get a little personal. Yeah. Um, I believe you're you are in a committed... Relationship I am. is that correct? Yeah. Uh, prior to that, were uh, were you ever on these like swipe apps, the dating swipe apps, Tinder, Bumble?
1: Very briefly, and I had zero success. Really? So I kind of I, I got very lucky that I was I kind of got into a relationship uh, like right as Tinder kind of became popular. So I kind of played around with it a little bit. Like there were periods where I was single and I I tried them out, but yeah, I couldn't do it because I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not as funny via text than like in person.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, and I guess it's just a lot of work, even for the average, even for the non comic as yeah. well. It's just a little, it's a bit of commitment. It's, it's kind of passive where you're just sitting there, yeah. swiping and, yeah, it doesn't I, feel like you're putting yourself out there in no, the same exactly. way.
1: <laughs> I prefer analog, no, no internet whatsoever. No, no internet. Just meet me in the forest. No. <laughs>
0: Here's the bombshell that I have to drop on you. Okay. And I hate to break it to you, but you're still on Bumble. I know. I've
1: I've heard this numerous times. Yeah.
0: Like a friend of mine uh, a few weeks ago, she she's on it, and she was like, "Oh my god, Ivan Decker's on Bumble," and because we're best friends, I was like, "No, I'm pretty sure he's in a relationship." <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "No," and she took a screen screen of it, and I was like, "Well, he either he's being catfished, like someone is pretending I, to I'm be." I'm pretty you, sure
1: someone's using my account.
0: Or you just forgot to delete your account.
1: Well that's the thing is I, I someone told me that like, oh you didn't delete your account. So I went back to like I don't even have it installed. I'm it's like four phones ago. So yeah. I had to like oh, dig okay. out this old phone <laughs> that it was installed on and like try to find the charger for it. And but you went to that work. You Turn it effort. on, I found and I was like, delete account and then like uninstalled and still it's like because it'll it's it tells you like when they were last active right
0: i think so yeah and
1: so i asked somebody who said like they sent me a message like you're still on bumble yeah like oh when was because it i wouldn't have been active in like probably four years like it's crazy for them to be (laughs) to even have that but i guess like someone is out there using my face so that's what we think It, it is someone that's my suspicion
0: i wonder what the end game there is though like because they can't meet yeah, someone appro- unless they really look like you they're Maybe like a double- send nudes i guess <laughs> send-
1: so listen if you're sending nudes to me on bumble stop it send them to me directly right. at ivan <laughs> at ivandecker.com email your nudes straight to me
0: don't send the nudes through the
1: bumble app yeah come on what is this 2016
0: <laughs> that's so great we you know funnily enough there was a There was someone I I know that um, a week before they're going to get married, someone found them on Bumble and, you know, then through the grapevine, let them know, like, hey, like, dude, you're still on Bumble. And he was like, oh, crap. And he had forgotten to like he deleted the app, but he didn't delete the um, the account. Yeah. So there is a whole process of making sure. Maybe
1: I got to go. I'll maybe I'll try and. Dig back in there, but like, I i don't want to go in because then it's like, oh, he's active again. <laughs> he's definitely I'll go on. back to the top of everybody's queue I just let it die. I don't know how you just
0: have this treasure chest of DMs waiting for yeah. you. Yeah, oh, maybe who knows? <laughs> they have, um, uh, I saw recently on Bumble they have, uh, they introduced this thing called Bumble Networking now. Oh, yeah, so it's the same app, but you have three options you go Bumble Date, which is the Bumble that, that yeah. you have known. Um, Bumble Friends, which is the same app, but you you try to make friends, <laughs> and Bumble Networking, which I guess you're trying to meet people in your industry.
1: Yeah, but I almost so feel it's LinkedIn.
0: like yeah, yeah, like a like a LinkedIn. But I almost feel like that Bumble Networking is just an excuse for like dudes in a relationship to be on Bumble. Yeah,
1: of course. <laughs> no, no, like when they look at your phone, why do you have the Bumble app installed? Oh, I'm trying to network. <laughs> no, baby, come on. Why are you networking with people sending you news? <laughs> That's—it's a weird industry that I'm in, finance, you know. <laughs> That's how we do it these days. The industry is changing. So people changing. still use Bumble. I thought Bumble was kind of dying. I think uh, Bumble and
0: Tinder are still still pretty popular. Still doing well. Yeah. Is
1: there another one? I feel like there was another one that came out. I think there's been a few that have tried. Zeus? Are people still using Zeus? <laughs> I used to get Instagram ads for Zeus. Oh yeah, that would I've... say it's the number one dating app in the world. Which I was like, is anybody on Zeus? No,
0: no, I don't. I've, nev- I've never heard of that one. To be honest, never been on that one. Yeah, I've tried quite a few, um, but I feel like if you're if you're online, which is which is great, everyone's online. Yeah, you got to go with the paid site. Yeah, if, if you're because there's just more serious people there. Of course.
1: Yeah, people that actually want to. Because I think the you know the cult it's. I have friends who live in Los Angeles, and thank God I found uh, someone to be in love with before having to find somebody there, because I know quite a few people who've moved down there, and it's like everybody's like, "You ever heard of polyamory? That's what I do." <laughs> oh God, <laughs> gross.
0: Apparently, we had uh, we had a couple of girls who wrote a book on dating. They're called the Indatables, and they brought that up too. And I was, is that really that widespread, or do people just say that they're I polyamorous? Guess.
1: These do. I mean, they. You know, they're all like actors. They're very handsome. Right. So I guess they can. They can pull it off. They can sell it. Yeah. You know, I can't be like, oh, I want to be polyamorous. <laughs> like, yeah. All right.
0: <laughs>
1: sure. Do the dishes.
0: <laughs> they have, but in LA at least, they they have apps like for celebrities or for people of yeah. the entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. They industry, have
1: celebrity, right? uh, celebrity Tinder, and it's like if they find out you're, like, taking photos or, like, doing anything weird, you can get, like, kicked off it. Really? Yeah, Brent Morin was showing me the app. Like, you, you have to be invited by, like, another celebrity. Like, they oh. got a vouch. Or like, you have to have more than one. You have to have, like, a couple celebrities vouch to, like, let you in. Wow. And then it's all, like, hockey players and, like, p- things like that. Yeah, yeah interesting. <laughs> I mean, football and basketball, I guess. I don't know why I said hockey. Canadians.
0: <laughs> well, on the, uh, on the topic of L.A., how has that been so far? What's the sociability like on the bus?
1: Oh, uh, there is no bus. You can't do bus material there. Okay. nobody takes the bus. Gotcha. Everybody drives. So I've been doing a lot of just like, it, you know, I've been excited to find out that most of my material works. That's good. Down there. Like at, for, when I first started doing shows in America, I was like, I don't, am I even going to, are they going to understand? Like there's certain words you can't say or they get freaked out. Like you mm-hmm. mention the metric system or, or if you say parkade. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's not in the American vernacular. Parking garage. We use two words. <laughs> you can't say. Can't uh, combine them. You can't say washroom. It's all I don't know. Oh. Other than that, you can kind of uh, really get around it. But yeah, I mean, they live mostly the same lives as us. They watch the same stuff on TV. Yeah, talk about I'd that. imagine so. I mean, the names of stores, obviously, you can't say like thrifty foods they're not gonna know what you're talking about yeah like shoppers drug mart they don't have that
0: yeah fair enough you can't make the the canadian currency jokes
1: yeah so any i had to get rid of all of my like canadian currency and metric system jokes so that's why i like did them for tv uh last year and was like all right they're done make sure they're out there i gotta leave i gotta (laughs) come up with some new stuff cool but it's been great because it is it is LA. It's one of the two major stand-up cities on earth. So mm-hmm. you're, you're getting to see comedians that are like the best in the world, yeah. you know? You'll be on a show and and somebody who was the head writer for this night show for 20 years will come in or Carol Leifer, who's just like a legend wow. in comedy. And so it's it's so cool to see these comedians that it's like, oh yeah, I guess this is just where they are. Yeah, and they're still doing like Mark Maron is just out every night, just hanging out, hanging out, doing yeah. sets, and so like, you know, you go to a, and it's so crazy because the people there, they're just used to it. They're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, why is no one going crazy? Mark Maron is right there, <laughs> he's on stage. People are leaving. Where are you going? Get back here. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the,
0: some of those bills like for the comedy store, it's just like. All these name brand or, yeah. or household
1: name yeah. comics on one bill, and you're just like, oh my god, like it's nuts. And they'll all go to even like random because like a lot of the rooms I do are like you know it's a microphone in between two buildings where the cooks smoke. <laughs> come down, we've got a person bringing his dog by at nine, and he'll listen to your set for three minutes. And even those rooms, they'll have like Rory Scovel or Cameron Esposito will come down. And do yeah, so cool. It's just really cool to be in that environment.
0: Have you had your um. Welcome to the big city moment in LA yet?
1: Um, ah, not really. I mean, I I did get kicked out of the comedy store. For what? Like I was just trying to watch the show, and they were like, "Sir, you can't sit here. It's these are the spots are for comedians or guests only." And I was like, "Oh, I'm a comedian." Like, I don't know you. Please leave. Really? <laughs> and they just kicked you out. So I the... got kicked out of the showroom at the comedy store. Well,
0: you'll you'll show them.
1: Yeah, I, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Or I just won't go back. <laughs> I like the improv.
0: Um. Is LA still big into the booch, or are they still uh, they still juicing? What's what's the hip liquid there?
1: uh, There's a lot of nitro cold brew. Yeah, they're still juicing. Poke bowls still big. Okay, Uh, you know it's very similar to Vancouver in that there's a lot of dispensaries and poke bowl shops (laughs) everywhere, strategically
0: placed. Yeah, it's like like if something
1: fails, if a business fails, you can be damn sure it's going to reopen as one of those two things. Yeah, (laughs) within a few months.
0: Yeah, I I love the uh, that juicing bit that you have, and mostly because I'm one of those people that totally falls for that stuff all, oh, I the, do, time. all the time. Yeah. And have you heard of those um, those drinks? You can buy them at Whole Foods. They cost <clears throat> seven or eight bucks, and they have activated charcoal in them.
1: Yeah. Oh, activated. Yeah. You better believe it's activated. <laughs> it's not. It's not your the grandpa's char-
0: charcoal. The, the charcoal lemonade. Yeah. yeah. It'll detoxify everything. Apparently.
1: This charcoal is running circles around your gut. <laughs> Don't just burn a pencil and eat that. That's not activated. That's just regular garbage charcoal.
0: Don't pull it out of the barbecue. Yeah. No. Um yeah, I wasn't sure if that was all that this, started in LA or where, where that I came mean, there's from. There's
1: so many everybody wants to drink. I I think the big drink there at least for me is like just the sparkling sugar-free drinks. So like, you know, flavored water like LaCroix. La Croix. Or they yeah. say Lacroix. Is that how they say it there? Yeah, cuz anything French in America immediately becomes English. It like, could be worse though. They could say like Lacroix. La Lacroix. <laughs> I th- I've heard I'm sure someone is drinking it right now saying LaCroix. Yeah. In some part of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Ivan Decker, before we wrap up, I want to give you the opportunity to tell the people of Vancouver how to follow your career, uh, what to look for out, what to look for out in the future. Uh, knowing that by the time this airs, you'll have already recorded your Netflix special yeah. at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal.
1: So that is, uh, I'm recording that. Stay tuned for that. It'll be out mm-hmm. in, uh, in 2019. Um, I'm going to be back in Vancouver as part of the IG tour in September and through a bunch of spots uh, in British Columbia. Cool. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Vancouver as well? Yeah, there is. I believe there's a Vancouver date. Uh, if you're a member of the investors group, okay. Uh, well, you have to be a member. You can get of tickets, or you know somebody that is. It's okay. like a show for their clients, or it's like they use it to, to like uh, woo people yeah. into giving them their money. <laughs> I it's think. good,
0: good, uh, good marketing. But it's still point. a very fun yeah. show. You know, for it's sure. in a
1: theater, and there's some there's some great comedians on it. Um, and then I will be. I sort of announce anything that's, uh, that's happening if I'm headlining a city. It'll be on uh, Twitter, at Ivan Decker, or uh, Instagram, at Ivan W. Decker. There is an ad, Ivan Decker, on Twitter. Oh, no. Or on Instagram, but- Don't uh, add
0: that guy. Don't send nudes to that guy. You
1: can. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. You know, we follow each other, because I'm sure he gets tagged in a lot of stuff.
0: Do you actually follow each other? Yeah. like nice. He
1: started following me, because so many people were, like, Tag- tagging yeah. him instead of me, Uh Seems like a nice man with a beautiful family. So <laughs> he could probably cool. use your nudes more than me. Good, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what can we expect from the the Netflix special that you're about to film? Uh, if you want to talk about it,
1: it's gonna be. It'll be. I think it'll be really fun. It's. It's not. Uh, any, it's different material than, than what's on my album with the exception of uh, I think the microwave joke I'm keeping okay good perfect uh, that'll be on there as a little throwback but uh, you gotta keep
0: sticking it to them
1: yeah I will not rest until they are removed from households <laughs> stop it uh, but I've added some stuff to it cool so there's a new line in there that'll be fun but yeah it's, it's uh, you know it's gonna be classic Ivan Decker I'll be wearing a suit telling jokes looking dapper yeah dapper Decker it'll be clean Cool, Uh, and uh, hopefully very funny.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, to echo the sentiments of my 2007 self, you're the man, Ivan Decker. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I think you're the man. Oh, thank you. That was actually your cue to apologize, but I'm so sorry (laughs) if this if I talk for too much during this. Well, I appreciate you being on here. Truly, best of luck for Just of Laughs, the uh, the Netflix taping, and I look forward to continuing to follow your career. I know that you've put in a lot of hard work to get to where you're at. It's all well-deserved. It's amazing to watch. I think uh, the craft that you're in, you just bring so many people joy, which is so cool. Uh, So I'm excited for you as a fan and as a Vancouverite. So thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with me. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank (laughs) you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Juno Award-winning Ivan Decker on the brink of becoming a household name. And I'm Mo Amir, telling you... That in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.